This podcast was recorded on Gadigal land. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. So if you've been following the Trump presidency correctly, you'll probably know who my guest is. He's radio guy, newsreader, creator and host of America, if you're listening, which was formerly Russia, if you're listening, which is the essential, accessible background Trump podcast. G'day, Matt Bevan. G'day, Joe. Look, I've had, I think, more requests to cover Trump as a cult than just about any other actual cult. So I'm so grateful that you're joining. And as I was just telling you before we started recording, please be gentle with my ego because this is the first time I've loaned, known vastly less than my than my guest on this podcast. I, I will, um, absolutely. I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll just assume that everybody knows as much as I do. That's the easiest way, easiest way to go forward. And 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 uh, you know, that I, I always find that's that's the easiest thing with Trump because everybody knows um, something something about Trump. And uh, mm. starting to talk about Donald Trump as though you're the only one who uh, truly understands this phenomenon that everybody has spent five years uh, thinking about it to some level or another. Obsessing I, 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 over, obsessing <laughs> over, I think is is uh, quite presumptuous. Um, so yeah, basically, my approach to Trump is that maybe I have just read about it a little bit more than most people, but I, I certainly don't assume that I uh, that I know that much more than others, and I'm often surprised by how much other people know about it. Uh, and it's so much... weird to hear humility in this context when we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> the least humble person. Yeah. Um, I think the premise of this, I, I don't think that necessarily that Trumpism, if we call it something, is a cult, mm. but there are a remarkable number of techniques and red flags and um, characteristics that, uh, it's it's nearly a Venn diagram overlap, but not quite. Yeah, there are a few things that don't that that don't fall into it simply because uh, Trumpism is not uh, particularly well organised. I think is yeah. a big part of it, and in, it it is inconsistent in a way that uh, many cults are not. <laughs> inconsistent in the way that. I don't know, cockroaches behave when you stamp on them. Yeah. I really shouldn't think of analogies on the fly. <laughs> and before we get started, I'm going to go, th- I'll, I'll, I will go through the red flags and the criteria and, and a lot of the characteristics of, of cults, but I'll start just with two things. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think or refer to Trumpism as a cult, and there's been countless articles written with the word Trump and cult in the headline. Because they see this mass of devoted followers idolising an unlikely, improbable autocrat and they, uh, like with people that killed themselves in Jonestown or Heaven's Gate or even people that wear bizarre things in other cults, people don't see how followers ignore obvious flaws and just follow blindly. Mm. But I found this, I've got a few quotes today and I probably won't get through all of them, but 
this really kind of clinched it as an interesting concept for me. It's a quote from journalist Chris Hedges, and he says, cult leaders arise from decayed communities and societies in which people have been shorn of political, social and economic power. The disempowered, infantilized by a world they cannot control, gravitate to cult leaders who appear omnipotent and promise a return to a mythical golden age, mm. or in this case, a golden escalator. Mm. And I just thought, that's it. It's well, normally it's disillusioned people in their late teens. This is people who feel like they've been disempowered. Yeah, uh, and and certainly, I mean that that, that certainly describes uh, the 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 whole concept of Trumpism as a political idea, where it is uh, talking about a return to some sort of mythical past. I mean, yes, make America great again doesn't actually come with a definition of when it was great. Uh, it sort of varies uh, depending, you know, between um, sort of the 1950s and occasionally the 1850s, uh, <laughs> depending on your, your point of view uh, and how, uh, you know, far into it you are. Um, A little but, dip yeah. into the 80s, surely. Oh, yeah. Well, they were that's great. The, that's, the, that's the Trump part of it. Uh, yeah. You know, for Trump, the 80s is the, was, the, was the, you know, the uh, the best part of his, the, the best period of his life, really. Uh, everything was very easy for him in the 80s. Uh, and so that's what he thinks it was when America was great. But his followers sort of think of this uh, sort of 50s ideal of, uh, you know, white picket fences and uh, everybody... Uh, having a, you know, well-paying and secure job as being the great part of mm. America. And then you've also got the the uh, more radical and disturbing wing of Trumpism who sees uh, America in a time of serious segregation as when it was great. So mm. yeah, it's, it's a very <laughs> idea of when America was great, but uh, it's not now and it was in the past. And Donald Trump, uh, as he describes himself is the uh, only one who can fix it. Oh, yeah. The the halcyon days when people were just really open with their racism. All right, let's tick off some cult red flags. Okay. So part of the list that I sent you before, I gave you homework. Mm-hmm. So these are my criteria, the ones that I ascribe to, and there's five of them. Number one, there's a leader who's often charismatic, who has special knowledge and whose instructions and dogma must be followed and believed. And I, I suppose dogma means that you would have to have some kind of organised thought or mm. specific manifesto, so we can probably rule that out a bit. Well, but sort of. I mean, on that, I know this isn't necessarily the point you were getting to, but one <laughs> of the funny things that I discovered about Trump, particularly in the early parts of the campaign, in 2016 um, was I watched a lot of his speeches uh, in, mm. in this year in hindsight. And the fascinating thing is that Trump has a really, doesn't have a, didn't have a particularly concrete and well-formed idea about a lot of areas of policy, but there was one thing that he seemed to think that he re- understood better than anybody <laughs> and uh, that 
uh, everybody should listen to him and care about this. And that was China's trade policies. And it was so fascinating watching his speeches where he's even, you know, the very first speech in Trump Tower with the golden escalator, he's giving this speech. Uh, and, you know, he's talking about Mexicans being rapists and build the wall and all these things. And then, and the, and the crowd's just loving it. They're lapping it up and cheering along and all these things. And then he starts to go on this long rant about Chinese currency manipulation. And uh, <laughs> you're losing him. You're losing him. Well, the, the audience literally starts to sort of talk over him and sort of talk amongst themselves and sort of ch- chant that they want other stuff talked about. And he's like, shut <laughs> up, everyone, stop it. Okay, really, this is very important. Listen to me. I practice this. I, 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 I care about this. I don't actually care all that much about the other things I'm talking about. This is the thing I care about. You need to listen to that. And eventually he gave it up. But, uh, you know, talking about the ins and outs of, uh, of Chinese trade policy and how they were breaking WTO rules because he realized that his audience didn't care about it that much. But, yeah, that was the special knowledge that he thought he had and that he thought he was going to try and – communicate to his followers, I have a special understanding of the ins and outs of Chinese currency manipulation and you need to understand that I know a lot about this. (laughs) So I suppose it was back in a time when he thought he had to convince um, people that were interested in that, but Mm. he he learned that he didn't. He just had to convince people that loved three-word slogans. Well, he sort of morphed into Mm. kind of... uh, the he he had the opinion that his followers wanted him to have, um, yeah. and that's that's very much Donald Trump's uh, ideology is whatever my followers want, that's what I want. Uh, you know, Donald Trump has a, a, a and that, and that's why there is always a comment or a tweet of Donald Trump's in the past before his 2016 campaign that contradicts exactly what he says. Uh, he's because he's taken every possible um, point of view on every possible topic and yeah. then finally settled on one that he thought that his followers would like, which is kind of an interesting thing where he's not so much a leader in that way, in that he wasn't leading the thought of his followers. He was sort of following them and then becoming the leader they wanted and then being that leader going forwards. It was an interesting, you know, early, the early kernels yeah. of Trumpism was not a well-formed, this is what I think, follow me uh, dogma, as you say, but <laughs> kind of a, a, a scattergun approach and then eventually sort of settled on some ideas that seemed to work for him. Well, that's, and we'll touch on that a bit later because with the whole cherry picking of ideas, mm. yeah, he really just does follow whatever makes people woo most. Yeah, totally. Because that's that's his, that's right. his ideology is whatever makes uh, that makes them chant and cheer and clap and uh, you know all that sort of thing. That's 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 what he loves. Uh, he doesn't particularly enjoy being president. Uh, he loves no. rallies. So there's been some cults. So David Berg, who uh, ran, headed up Children of God. He decided that he was above the law. So this goes with that whole, you know, they've got special knowledge and things don't apply to them. So David Berg used the phrase, oh, there's system laws to things, you know, cute things like pedophilia and incest. So he was an awful, horrible bastard. And that's, I find that interesting looking at Trump as well, that he seems to believe he's above the law and that also has, you know, this pardoning power for for many of his supporters as well. Mm. 
I'm super interested in what happens to him with the law once he is no longer, once he's conceded, <laughs> once mm. he's out. Mm. Yeah, but, well, that's that. Your guess is as good as mine on that one. I think the Democrats are going to wrestle with what to do about that for a, a significant amount of time. Yeah, yeah, because it, I mean, it could kind of galvanise the following if totally. he's seen yeah. as persecuted. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'll uh, from a Vanity Fair article just while we're still on the whole sort of above the law and instructions and dogma, particularly instructions. So this is a, the reporter is, he's talking to a lot of rally attendees and he's attended all these rallies. And I'll probably put a link to this article on the on the Zealot Facebook page because even the pictures are just remarkable. But they're talking to a guy called Dave. It goes, every tweet, every misspelling, every typo, every strange capitalisation, especially the capitalisations, says Dave, has meaning. Mm. The truth is right there in what the media thinks are his mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes and he's sending us clues about the Democrats and Ukraine and his plans. There are major operations going on. And he suggests that Trump is using COVID field hospitals as a cover to rescue children from sex trafficking. Mm. And I want to talk about QAnon a bit later, but that the fact that he's the only one that can save people, that can save the children is fascinating and you know he's the only one that can finally control immigration the only one that can stamp down globalization the only person so they need him and so he needs them yeah it's just he's really the most incompetent god ever well the the perfect example of what you're talking about there and i I haven't read the vanity fair article but i Mm. i I can only assume they talk about covfefe which is (laughs) you know this this, you know, this this thing that has been joked about so much that it's kind of lost all meaning. But you know, it was this tweet that Donald Trump sent uh, sent out, which used the word "covfefe," C O V F E F E, which was obviously a misspelling or a typo or whatever. But he sent it out and then went to bed, and nobody could get access to his phone to delete it until the morning. And it was then deleted in the morning, but they never admitted that it was. Uh, a mistake or a screw-up or a, a typo. typo. Yeah. Uh, and Sean Spicer, the press secretary, had to be sent out the next day to go, oh, people people who know what the go is <laughs> will understand what that means. I... <laughs> Don't you love it when you make a typo and then by morning it's gospel? It's yeah. the dream, Matt. It's yeah. the dream. That was, that was <sighs> very, uh, you know, that was an early on moment of, I mean, you know, he sent a tweet. He said a typo, whatever, that's sort of normal Trump. But uh, Sean Spicer really did kick it up a next gear by sort of implying oh. that hidden meaning in it. I mean, for goodness I miss sake. Sean. Ah, truly <laughs> a, a gift, Sean Spicer. And oh, my God. He's been replaced by people far more competent than him, and that is that has always been a bit of a, a shame because it was always a highlight uh, early <laughs> in the first six months of the Trump presidency to – wake up in the morning and it was often Sean Spice would be speaking very soon after I woke up uh, yep. at five in the morning and it was always a Bragging. treat to, treat to uh, list him, listen to him uh, in, in the car on the way to work. <laughs> that's, I think that's one of the, the delightful thing about being Australians that are following this is that you do wake up, you wake up, you stretch, you get the – crust out of your eyes and then you go 
what did they say? Yeah, yeah. You just get What's to check up? this backlog <laughs> of, of bullshit. It's gorgeous. All right. Red flag for cults number two. They have a prescribed way of life peculiar to the group, including some loss of autonomy and independent decision-making. It's, I would go at mm, mm, sort of mm. for this because in my eyes it's less less than a way of life being prescribed, but Trump appeals to people who already have a particular way of life or thinking yeah. and they were kind of sick of having to make excuses for it. Yeah. So I think, I think he's um, kind of adopted, like you said before, he's seen the lifestyle and the way of thinking of the people that he wants to support him and gone, right, I'll appeal to that. Yes. Uh, it's only sort of more recently during COVID that I think there's been mm. that sort of thing whereby uh, the, the the way that you live the Trumpism life is by you don't wear a mask. Uh regardless of whether you think that that is going to help you or not, you don't do it because Mm. that's part of the, part of the thing is you don't wear masks. Uh, Mind you, many of his supporters do wear masks, including to his rallies, but generally it is thought that the way that you are a proper Trump supporter is that you don't wear a mask. That's probably the only way of that. But you're right. But basically it was people who are already living a certain lifestyle. And I don't think Donald Trump has, has spent any time, uh, you know, trying to declare the sort of lifestyle that you need to live uh, to be a, a supporter of his. Yeah, it's hard. It's, I suppose it's hard to uh, instill, you know, a regime that limits people's freedom when freedom is one of their mm. their catch cries. Yeah. And burgers. Oh, that the guy that hijacked that press briefing with the beer barbecue <laughs> freedom yeah. T-shirt. I think the makers of that T-shirt were so pissed off that he did that just after Halloween. Yeah. They would have made a fortune. Yeah, same as um, same as the uh, Four Seasons Total Landscaping people. Oh, my God. Mind you, I think that joke that's, will just live on. That's, that's, it, it's... that's going to be the main legacy of the entire presidency. <laughs> Four Seasons Fantastic. Total Landscaping T-shirts, perhaps. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, my God. It's going to be... Children are going to, little kids are going to ask for a Four Seasons Total Landscaping birthday cake. Mm, Watch mm, it happen. mm. All right. Third red flag, a physical or philosophical separation from people who aren't in the group, that aren't in the cult, and it's usually in an us versus them way. I I could barely stop typing for examples of the us versus them. Mm. And my, so I've limited it to is never Trumpers. They're, these are the thems. Yes. Immigrants, the Dems. The Dems are the thems. <laughs> Immigrants, elites, experts. Obama's the actual antichrist. Uh, the fake news media, especially CNN and New York Times. And oh, just like those T-shirts that you see at a lot of the ra- rallies that say uh, rope tree journalist, mm. some assembly required. That's the extreme becoming mainstream. That's really oh, the persecution. And the, and the sanctuary cities, those cities that don't support him, but he keeps saying that they're good places to go for sanctuary if you're a violent criminal. Yeah. The, the interesting thing about Trump's us and them rhetoric 
is that so many of the things that you've just described are things that describe Donald Trump himself mm. or uh, things that Donald Trump actually does think is does value. The fascinating thing about him is that all of the media outlets that he decries and calls enemies of the people and seems to hate so much are, of course, mm. all the media outlets that he seeks the approval of. Yeah. Uh, the New York Times, most importantly for him, because he is a New Yorker and he has always seen the New York Times as the ideal... The getting the approval of the New York Times is vitally important for him. And that's why despite that kind of rhetoric and, you know, calling the enemy of the people and stirring up his crowd and that sort of thing, he keeps inviting the New York Times in. Come in, Maggie Haberman. Come into the Oval yeah. Office. I'll talk to you for an hour and a half. I'll tell you a million different things that I've never told anybody else, you know. It's it's such and a And the need thing. for approval in his face when he was handing those pieces of paper to Jonathan Swan. Yeah. It was just, oh, you, you're, I mean, you would feel sorry for him if he wasn't him. him. Look, the C word is allowed on this, but I just, you know. All right. The third red flag. Fourth. Fourth. What? Yes. The fourth. <laughs> I'm so professional, Matt. The fourth red flag. Negative consequences for leaving. I mean, these are often just perceived rather than real. Because even if you, you know, if you stop in mainstream religion, if you stop mm. believing in God, you're going to hell. Oh, the way he goes after ex-staff or ex-supporters that have spoken out against him or even just left, it's with the zeal of Scientologists hunting Nicole Kidman. Mm. I mentioned that I've become, that I've sort of got Stockholm Syndrome with Trump now and I think the vicious way he suddenly turns is one of those things that I'm going to actually miss once he's gone, not because I enjoy vitriol but just watching him flip on someone is vicious and it's fascinating. Particularly, I mean, the fascinating thing is that particularly when the person he flips on is someone that, you know, you've you've watched and you've gone, well, this person's obviously not very good at their job. Uh, <laughs> Donald Trump spends a year and a half defending them and saying they're a great guy and then that person leaves and writes a tell-all book and suddenly that person is the worst person on earth, according to Donald Trump. Uh, which is, you know, it's extraordinary sometimes to see his uh, attacks on people uh, and go, yeah, well, um, <laughs> yeah, it's... I'm also not a big fan of Steve Bannon. <laughs> <laughs> I do find toddlers having a tantrum in the supermarket hilarious. There's something unbelievably funny about it because mm. of the absolute un bridled abandon with which they're throwing a fit about something tiny. Mm. So I think it's that kind of entertainment. On the, on the negative consequences for leaving more broadly beyond his inner circle, uh, mm. I think there is a bit of this, not that he's necessarily encouraged it, um, but y y there was a report recently, um, a number of reports, reporters went into uh, the villages which is a uh, the the largest nursing home in the world. It's in Florida, mm. and it's this basically an entirely entirely separate sort of city 
built around these nursing homes and uh, and retirement villages. It, you know, it has its own golf courses and all this sort of stuff, and it has its own very much its own community and its own you know its own infrastructure and its own yeah uh, it is its own thing in many ways. And inside of that, there was a lot of discussion with people who live there about the consequences for people who previously might have been Trump supporters but drifted away from him when they saw his handling of COVID-19 or uh, his... His obvious insanity, that sort of thing, yep. yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it may have drifted towards Joe Biden as sort of like a um, not the, you know, terrible nightmare Democrat that we all yeah. fear. Plus he's closer to their age. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, I mean, <laughs> both, both of them are very much <laughs> that, age, that age group. Uh, but, you know, they were talking about, you know, you, you don't, you know, you speak, you, you say anything negative about about Trump and suddenly you don't have a golf game anymore and <gasps> you're not in the bingo club and you're not welcome in all these different social circles, which is an interesting thing that Donald Trump himself has not got anything to do with. Uh, but it's sort of like a, it's a, it's a, a negative consequences for leaving sort of thing that has sort of built itself inside yeah. this, this funny little community there. I think the first T-shirt for this episode will be retirement village ostracism or, <laughs> I don't know, what something that you'd wear as, a, as, the, as the bad boy of the village. Mm. But there's this thing with cults that happens all the time as well and it, it often explains part of the why didn't you leave thing. And this is from the Chicago Tribune, but it says... Once people fall deep into the alternate reality Trump has created, getting out is near impossible. It would require them to admit that they were conned, admit they let a flashy meathead lure them down a rabbit hole with promises that could never be kept. And that's so common with cults. You can't, it's really, really difficult to admit that something you just devoted your entire life to is hollow and not true. I, I'm an ex-happy, clappy Christian and it took me, there was probably about, I mean, I left when I was, I came out of it when I was maybe 19, so it was still a long time ago, but there was, would have been a five-year period where I didn't really believe it but I couldn't t- tell myself that I was wrong about it. Mm. And I think that applies to this sort of group as well. You can't be a woo trumper and then suddenly it's really hard to slink away, and well, be, I don't, especially I don't, when you need to register as one or the other. I don't know that many people have slunk away from being a hardcore Trump supporter, mm. uh, and I think the election result has shown that. Uh, I think the, 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 the people who have drifted away from Trump are sort of people who uh, maybe were Obama-Trump voters or people who uh, sort of saw Trump's economic policies as more valuable or just didn't like Hillary Clinton much and or you know didn't think that Hillary Clinton was going to win anyway and sorry who thought that she was going to win anyway and so I might as well vote for Trump you know just to send her a message that sort of thing (laughs) um I don't know that you're going to find many people who truly love this man and and think that he is all that he says he is who have sort of decided that they're not on board with it anymore Mm. Uh, and and even just just recently, you're seeing a situation of of COVID cases spiking in Trump uh, Trump supporting areas. You know, the, the... yeah, but that's an that's a conspiracy, Matt. 
Well, yeah, the Dems are injecting them. People are <laughs> people are saying it all the way to their death that they don't they don't believe this thing exists. Yeah, uh, which is you know something that is being raised by medical professionals in these uh, you know heavily Trump areas just in the last little while. Who they've been you know saying these people. <laughs> nothing will make them believe that this exists, not even getting it, not even being in hospital and being intubated. They still won't believe that they can be wrong about this disease. You know, Trump says it's fine. So yeah, it's the it's just the Monty Python Black Knight mm. thing. Wow. All right, number five, beliefs that are different to other groups, although largely pinched from other groups and twisted. I mean, basically his whole thing is it sounds like politics but is kind of chants and gimmicks and slogans that already exist but let's call them three-word things. I read an article that said it's like Gnosticism which I'll need to look more into but it's the basic belief and it was based in Christianity but it's that thing that or the Bible isn't telling us the whole story there's all these other these other books and tracts that are the true, they're the secrets of Christianity and like, you know, the Holy Grail and all that sort mm-hmm. of thing. He's collecting things that the voter base already believes in, which we touched on before. So things like, you know, guns, although he flip-flops on that, racism, evangelical Christianity, white supremacy, xenophobia in general, and just makes those into slogans and, and catch cries. The idea of prosperity gospel so if you follow Trump, you'll you'll prosper, you'll be better, which I suppose is just a a politician thing to do anyway. Yeah, I think that's but I think well, if I think there was that, that, that's, yeah, that's very much that's the right. Although if, that's just the basics. The question is whether they can turn that into donations, whether if you donate to Trump, then you'll be better off would be. Yeah, when, when rather than right here, here are policies. Yeah, he says you will prosper. He doesn't really say how. But I think if there was any... Well, I'll cut your taxes was, is a pretty easy way of saying that you'll pro, you will be more prosperous uh, yeah, beyond that. Yeah, it's basically that. a tri- trickle-down thing really, though, because it's, the significant tax cuts are for big business. Yeah, and that's, and that's also not yeah. in, in any way his policy. That is, um, you know, if you're a Republican, this is your policy. The, the, the fascinating thing for me, and I, I, I wanted to get this into the podcast, but it ended up being a long, <laughs> uh, a very long... Uh, lesson on tax policy, which uh, we ended up deciding was a, a bit too boring for the podcast. But I'll, I'll summarize. Oh, great! It. So yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about it here. Then, yeah, yeah, let, no, I look forward <laughs> to talking about tax policy on your on this podcast. Anyway, so no, basically, the interesting thing is that Trumpism sort of emerged from the Tea Party movement, hmm. which was at least on its face a you know cut taxes and cut government spending policy movement basically that was it was yep. theoretically about you know economics and then as soon as trump became the head of it they dropped all of that and just went yeah no just to cut our taxes uh spend as much as you want i don't care <laughs> it, it was kind of interesting how this this ideology of tea party you know the tea party movement which was sort of a cult sort of thing for a while it kind of overtook the republican mm. party it evaporated the moment that Trump took over uh, and disappeared and all of their beliefs just sort of evaporated and were replaced by Trumpism, which was... As did as did Melania's willingness to be affectionate in public as well. But uh, Yeah, that's well, that's, I've got a lot of thoughts on that. But we... <laughs> 
I think she's all in. I don't. I, oh, I, I, mate. I think she's all in on on Trump, and I think uh, us thinking that she's hesitant towards him and doesn't like him is uh, is just an act, and I think she loves it. Oh, we are so going to get to that later. I, this, there's no Bible for Trumpism except perhaps Norman Vincent Peale's The Power of Positive Thinking, which I've read that Trump absolutely loves, and I think that's where his obsession with winning and just never admit defeat. And if you think of it and you say it enough, then it will happen. Mm, I'm not sure that I'm not. Mm, I, I, I don't know of that as, as something that he is a follower of. And I, my reading and uh, understanding of his love of winning is basically it comes from his father. Um, yeah. And his father's uh, never accept a loss ideology that really passed on to him but it could be that he i mean you're implying that donald trump has taken on the ideas of another person uh, which is not something that he um would admit to would admit to no if then it will unless they're sean hannity's views Ooh, I don't know. I think I think uh, Trump's views form Sean Hannity's more than the other way around. <laughs> Interesting. It's just look. I don't want to use the word circle jerk. That's the c word. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's run through some of the techniques that cults use because this is where the fun starts. So one of the things that is a really big technique, and it's by far the most obvious one that Trump uses, I think, Mm. is that a lot of cults limit the amount of information that followers either have access to or feel like they can trust. Yeah, that's the whole game. And that's just, oh, my God. It's so, in Jonestown, you weren't allowed to watch TV, no radio. Um, Jones really exaggerated how bad things were back in the US once they were in uh, Guyana so that his followers would only trust him heaven's gate members were only allowed to watch the x-files and star trek <laughs> and um children of god well, they just, just learned if you can only allowed to watch two shows <laughs> that's a good yeah they're the good ones, the worst ones. yeah <laughs> those and parks and rec maybe yeah uh but and children of god david berg uh he just sent uh, newsletters to all his members globally and that was just this is what you can trust and nothing else Tell me, Matt, do you think Trump does that? Mm, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, that's, that's really the, the whole uh, skill of Trump, and that's really the way that it's worked, is by yeah. saying that you, cannot, you simply cannot believe what these people are saying because it is fake and they are lying and you can't believe, you know, anything that is negative about me because... Uh, it's fake, and the the way that he has managed to convince millions of millions of people to believe him and not their local newspaper has never been more obvious than in the last year over COVID. And as uh, it's extraordinary, and it's it's an extraordinary achievement of his that he has managed to do that. Uh, that's and that's the thing. We, I mean, we're all probably hesitant to describe him as having much skill but he's truly skillful yes oh it's so good I think there's one of my favorite tweets from the last week of his because this is him trying to do that twist and it's kind of a mess but it's and this is him going on about 
you know, election fraud. And he says, for years the Dems have been preaching how unsafe and rigged our elections have been. Now they are saying what a wonderful job the Trump administration did in making 2020 the most secure election ever. Actually, this is true except for what the Democrats did. Uh, rigged election. Yeah. He flips like four times it doesn't in make that, that tweet. There's, there's absolutely no logical thread to that at all. <laughs> no, but it's kind of like... This bit's true, except for this bit, or anything the Democrats say is true, but everything else is that's good. I did. I he's. Oh, I am so going to miss him when he's gone. Mm. And ages and ages ago, I, I put a, a question up on my social media, which was, "Would you rather he lost or was pushed?" So if you know, if he was voted out or pushed out, basically. And we might get to see both. Mm. It's gotta end sometime, it's gotta end sometime, it's gotta end sometime, it's gotta end sometime, it's gotta end sometime. It's exciting. The most recent who do you trust, what information do you trust thing that I've been fascinated with is that he's going off Fox News and uh, starting to talk about Newsmax and... Um, oh, I am, yeah. It's the transparency of what he's doing and yet still the incredible effectiveness of it. You read through some of his tweets, you start going, oh, well, is Dominion dodgy? Mm. It's really, he can be quite convincing. Oh, he can. And and w- the, the thing is that it's interesting in interviews that I've been doing over the last few weeks is like, does he have a point here? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> You forget that he can just make just up things stuff. and the whole no. thing. Presidents don't make stuff up, do they? No, yeah, that's the thing. And he says it so yes. convincingly and he's, it doesn't matter how many times he says things that are, you know, manifestly proven to be incorrect, people will still be like, fraud. So maybe there was a bit of it. No. There's no evidence of that <laughs> well, at I all. Challenge, I challenge anyone to find a world leader that uses more exclamation marks. Yeah. It's just. The man if, loves it, yeah. If he's the best at anything, it's that. All right. Another technique, tests of loyalty. So Jim Jones, which seems to be the, he's really the cult leader that Trump is most like. He did these things called white nights. So even when he was back in Indiana, he would hand out plastic cups full of cordial and get everyone to drink them and then say, that was poison. And eventually he would say, this is poison, drink it. And it was always just you know, mm. a fruity drink, but he was getting people used to it, but he was also testing people's loyalty. If you loved me, you would drink that. And they did. And of course that had tragic consequences because people knew that to show their loyalty, they had to drink whatever was in the plastic cups. I sort of thought of the example with Trump of him saying, I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters. And it's less kind of a test of oil- loyalty that proof that he can just be a terrible guy, and he will maintain loyalty. You know that was. I mean, never, well, he can was, say that. Yeah, he can say that. It, it, it's never really. Been, it's untested. It's untested, and I don't know that it's true. But he, I don't know that. But he can indirectly kill. Yeah. Literally hundreds of thousands of people. Mm, I don't. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the the, the 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 thing is that you know he has convinced a lot of people not to wear masks when they should, and. Uh, that is an, an extraordinary thing that has happened. I don't know th- that Trump 
could ever say you would die for me, wouldn't you? Uh, mm. And for that to pay off. And, that, and that's basically what Jim Jones is doing there. He's saying you would die if I told you to, wouldn't you? And uh, Donald Trump is not doing that at all. Donald Trump's whole thing is is promising things and not necessarily demanding anything of his voters apart from their their vote and occasionally their mm. donations. I and to and kind of to have a stacks on whenever necessary, like mm. with the the non conceding rallies yeah. and the. But I think I think putting and a, storming storming polling places. Yeah, I think I think I'd defend him against putting him in, in, in the same group as as quite literally. You love me so much that you would die for me. Yeah, uh, right. you love me so much that you would be incredibly vocal about it. There we go. Yeah. Let's soften yeah. it. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Okay, outing and ridiculing detractors. We did touch on this already, but also from the Chicago Tribune article, it says, they view him like this. He can do no wrong. He alone can fix the changing world that so frustrates them. Any word against Trump is a treasonous slur. Any news critical of Trump is fake. Mm. Any news making Trump look good or his opponents look bad is real. The world and the facts must bend towards Trump. And I also thought of his the nicknames he gives his detractors. And there's an entire Wikipedia page dedicated to them. So things like Sleepy Joe and Crooked Hillary, Cheating Obama and Pocahontas Elizabeth Warren because <laughs> he's got kind of this unitary version of what a Native American is. And it, it, he's, it's, they've had varying success, those, those nicknames. Some of them yeah. spectacularly well. Uh, <laughs> but he keeps trying. Yeah, yeah. Pocahontas, and it's dropping Pocahontas, the G. You know, as 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 you know, much opposition as everybody had to it. I wonder how damaging that was to to Elizabeth Warren. I think that was pretty bad for her. Yeah, of, sometimes he did make fetch happen. Yeah, he did, and mm-hmm. and it wasn't so much that people believed it; it's that. People, Democrats particularly, are pundits. They're all, everybody's a pundit. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's going to cause a problem for her later on. Uh, we won't, uh, we won't, back mm. her because uh, I can see how Trump would use that against her later. So maybe we shouldn't elect her. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. very much Democrat brain. Um, <laughs> but, the, and very much, uh, you know, a source of the success of Joe Biden. He had the, least scary nickname everyone was like sleepy <laughs> that's not gonna work uh, <laughs> that's so cute whereas they're like crazy bernie mm, maybe people will think he's crazy uh and, and <laughs> hillary, crooked hillary people did think that she was crooked uh but her emails Matt. yeah mm. yeah it, it, yeah, yeah pretty extraordinary anyway yeah sorry go on yes Yes, yes, Terrence. Great. Uh, There's also an escalating sense of persecution by others. So Mm. the whole world's out to get us, and that can no president has been no president has been worse treated than I. (gasps) I love those because the four that were shot dead. uh, No president has been worse treated than I. (laughs) And he wants to be thanked. All the time. That's the, I was about to say it was the cutest, but it's nobody thanked me for doing your job, mate. Well, do you remember the um, the cabinet meetings that used to be televised where uh, Donald Trump would go around to each cabinet member and have them say something nice about him? 
Uh, no. Do you not? Did you not watch those? <laughs> no. Whoa. Okay. You need oh, to. Oh, what have up. I missed out on? Okay. So I he used to. to do this thing where, uh, it, whether it was cabinet or uh, other sort of, you know, he'd bring in a bunch of industry leaders into the White House, and they go, and he'd go, um, "Well, we've brought all these people together." Uh, Secretary of Agri- Agriculture, did you want to say something about uh, uh, anything? And he'd be like, well, <laughs> Mr. President, what a wonderful leader you have, bre- you have been and how excellent uh, your leadership has been and you've, been, you've done such a good job. And then Trump would be like, and uh, Secretary of Agriculture, uh, Secretary of Transportation, <laughs> did you have something you wanted to say? Mike Pence, uh, Vice President Mike Pence, would you like to say anything about this? And they just go around the whole room. Uh, it, it happened a lot, particularly early on in the presidency, but it was this, yeah, it was Oh, God, I'm so okay. That's that's the re- I'm taking the rest of the week off, and also well, I'm going to insist on that with my friends as well at the pub. You should. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. When I when I put on that little tone there, of did you, that genuine, very good, genuinely what he was doing. Uh, there was that little tone of you had something. I believe you wanted to say something nice. Okay, about me. when I press stop on this recording, you're emailing me links okay. to a couple of those because I have to. Yeah. All right. Claims that only those in the group can save the world or be saved. Let's talk about QAnon. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's The Vanity Fair article said, Trump is on a mission from God to expose and destroy the hidden demons of the deep state. I... There's this, I'll have to find a link to it because I'll probably put this up on the Zealot Facebook page as well, but there was this fantastic article about QAnon and how it's it relates to some types of gaming. So it's ascribing more weight to inadvertent clues in inverted mm, commas mm. than into the actual message and people going off. So it happens in escape rooms sometimes as well where you think one thing is a clue so you spend all this time on that mm. not realising that they, they intend you to go the other way or that there's no clue there at all. And I love this idea. I mean, I hate it. It's horrific. It's awful. But that that instead of someone just saying things, they will imply it by blinking or mm. wearing a particular colour mm. tie or Well, you know you know what springs to mind when you say when you describe mm. it like that is people who are anti Trump also sort of do this to a certain extent. Mm. When it comes to do you remember the first couple of times that Trump met the Queen <laughs> and they were like, Oh, she's wearing this hat. I've forgotten about that. Oh, she's wearing this hat. That hat, you know, the whole backstory to that hat, that hat. She only wears it, she when, only she wears hates it when she hates that person, you know. And she, <laughs> oh, this this little brooch that she's wearing, she hates. You know, that's from that's from you know she was that was given to her by the you know by Obama, and and she's wearing it now to say that she likes Obama more than Trump. And oh, I am so guilty of believing the brooch. It was such one. nonsense. And, it was. I know, it. but it's, you want to. But you want to. I, I you want to think of the Queen as this sassy tea drinking. I even bitch. think some of it was it's, made up. I even think that people didn't even know what brooch she was wearing. They're like, "Oh, yeah, I know that brooch." Wink, wink. <laughs> the second T-shirt for this episode is—it's just the word "sass brooch." Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, but that was such a thing early on. Oh, they, people just loved that. Whenever, you know, Trump would meet some world leader, that world leader would surreptitiously sass them in some way, it would sass Trump in some way. And it's like, no, they're not. No one's going to, you know, surreptitiously send a secret coded message about how much they hate Trump in the way that they wear their tie or, you know, the the, the handshake or the location of their meeting. I mean, come <laughs> I have to admit that having enough time in your life, oh, it would be so exciting to believe in QAnon and to wait for drops and to look for clues and to follow those clues. Yeah. And I love the idea that the most popular, the most popular interpretation of the clues wins. Yes, yeah. being Q takes so little effort. Mm. You don't have to try. You can put up any old shit, and they're away. The, the, the fascinating thing about QAnon is that it really got away from Trump, you know? Yes! It really got away from him. And, and he was sort of like, uh, you know, early on he's sort of like, yeah, yeah, the deep state, they're out to get me. You get that? Okay, everybody's on board with the deep state. Anything the FBI digs up on me, that's evil. Uh, you know, that can't be trusted. The FBI is, you know, not not the FBI agents. They love me. The leadership of the FBI, yep. they're against me and they're going to find stuff on me and, uh, you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, you can't believe any of that. That's the message I want to get across. The FBI are out to get me, and it's not, you know, the uh, it's not the agents at the FBI, just the leadership of the FBI. They're out to get me. They're going to dig up stuff on me. You can't believe it. That's my thing about the deep state, right? Yeah. And people online took it a million steps beyond that, and Trump's <laughs> like, oh, um, and he gets asked about it and he's like, I think they're against pedophiles. Yeah, do uh, I have to stop talking about pizza now? I think Trump would have rather they just sort of stuck with the FBI and, yeah. uh, you know, that the Russia thing is a steep state hoax against me. Bhagwan yeah, Rajneesh probably wished that Sheila far. didn't take it quite so far, but sometimes yeah. your followers get away from you. Yeah, yeah, it really got away from him. But, <laughs> the, but the fact that he's the saviour of... Of children is both yeah. ironic and hilarious, but the fact that he has he has preachers, you know, riling the crowd up before his rallies, and they're saying that he's the chosen one and God's chosen mm. it, and it's like even though I have now left Christianity, I believe God had better taste. It's well, but he does it, work in the, mysterious ways. The very simple thing about that is that it is, uh, it's all about abortion, really. Uh, you know, th mm. the, it's anything that will get this man to stay here uh, because it's working, you know, he's he's fighting the good fight against abortion. Yeah. Yeah. So, there's, I mean, there's a couple of other techniques like uh, controlling followers' assets and restricting their freedom. I don't think he does that. There is maintaining an elite upper group that helps control followers. And I think that's true, but it's really a rolling roster. Yeah, except just the, it's mainly the family. Uh, yeah. It's mainly Don Jr. and Eric and they're the most devoted to the whole thing. Uh, and apart from that, it is a rolling roster. Uh, but but really the the core enforcers are Don Jr. and Eric on that. Do you reckon Rudy's going to stick around? Rudy? Oh, yeah. I love Rudy. Uh, <laughs> Look, Rudy's Rudy's in it. Rudy's in it uh, in it for the long haul, um, and he's so tied up in Trump and really 
buys into the whole thing, I think. I don't think there's yeah. any uh, performance about Rudy. And so, yeah, I think Rudy's in it for as long as Donald is. Fantastic. I mean, and also awful. All right. Is there any, are there any random facts we've missed? Random, random, random facts. I'm talking random facts. I'm talking random facts about cults and that. Cults and that. That is the most perfect thing I've ever heard. Look, can we just talk about Melania for a sec? Sure. There's been so much speculation, and this is completely beyond the cult thing, about whether she's going to hang around or not afterwards. And I just, oh, look, if she's in it for love, then she'll stay. If I think she's, she is. is. I think she you? is. Yeah, well, you got to remember, people have this impression of Melania as being this trapped person. Um, but that that's not... You know, the impression that you get from the Stephanie Winston Woolcroft Woolcroft book, uh, the book written by one of her former best friends, and that's not the impression you get from, you know, every interview that she did for years as Mm. Donald Trump's girlfriend and wife. You know, she was really into it, into the whole Trump thing. Yeah, Sarah was trapped. I um, I think opportunist and... I think she loves a lot of what Trump represents. And yeah, that, and I think and she loves the she lifestyle would... and I think she loves the, the, you know, a lot of things about it. And Yeah, she would prefer know, not to be without it. And I think looking at her as a sort of trapped in the, you know, unable to escape sort of takes away a lot of her agency. I think she is a, uh, she is her own person in many ways and isn't a, you know, a shrinking violet and... You know, I think if she wanted to leave, she'd be gone and mm. she hasn't left. Yeah. Oh, I cannot wait to see what happens with everybody next. And I think just, look, I think it seems like a cult, even though it's not. But just like a cult, there's an implied meaning and purpose, but there's no actual meaning or purpose beyond enriching those at the top. And the followers don't see that. They see the culture and the ritual and the slogans and they're drawn to that and comforted by those. And that's why the next bit's going to be uncomfortable. Well, I don't know that it's over. Uh, no. I think um, I think uh, Trumpism is something that will continue mm. uh, in some form, whether it's Donald at the head of it or Don Jr. or we'll see. But I, I, don't, I think the result of the election proves that this is not over. Yeah. Even when he even when he ceases to exist as meat and bone, he'll become just a really fancy mist. All right. Thank you so much, Matt. Um, I think in closing, the only thing left to say is, young man, there's no need to feel down. I said, young man, pick yourself off the ground. Join a cult. Don't. Don't don't join a cult. <laughs> Thank you so much. You've been listening to Zealot, produced by me, Joe Thornley, wearing a subversive brooch. My co-host for this episode was Matt Bevan, who probably isn't Q, but let's not rule anything out. Further reading and patriotic fervour can be found on the Zealot Facebook page, and music is by the Everglades, as majestic as a bald eagle, but with much better sports. Huge!